so appreciate um, Shelby and Gabe and the team that's up there to help make the music and the praise and worship what it is. Don't you appreciate them? You know, the songs that we sing, it's one thing to sing a song, but it can be a time and an opportunity to make a declaration. And, uh, you know, we need to always declare that God's doing great things because He is. Uh, we're not always aware of it, but God is faithful, and he is, he is bringing to pass His will, and His will is good. Uh, he's a good Father. I can't tell you how that, that just... What that does to me is it causes me to have a security in a world that's very unstable. Because when, when we know our Father God is good and every good and perfect gift comes from Him, and that's what the Bible says, that, that it's His good pleasure to give you His kingdom. It's not like God's holding anything back, no matter what you've heard. And, you know, in that song, we, we sing, you know, we've heard many speak about what they think God is, but He is a good, good Father. And he wants the best for every human being. And then, oh, how I need you. And to know you is to love you. You know, God, God wants us to realize things that are true. Because in that truth, it sets us free from the fears and the concerns and the dread of the future. Because it doesn't matter what the future holds. God's already in it. And he's going to guide you through it if you and I will follow him. Amen? Amen. Tomorrow was talking about, you know, the times that we're living in, and, and it's been difficult. It's been unfamiliar. It's been uncomfortable. Uh, one of the most uncomfortable things about what we've been living in is it's so quickly changing. And when things change quickly, there's not a lot of stability, not a lot of security. And unfortunately, too many Christians are allowing the quick changing and uncertain times of our lives to cause us to be unstable. And that's, that's an indication if, if I'm being anxious or I'm becoming un, in, insecure about what's going on because of the lack of stability, it's because my focus is wrong. Because my focus as a Christian is not supposed to be the world I live in. I'm supposed to be aware but I'm supposed to be focused on and trusting in who? Right. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the God of all hope. And uh, we've been learning about hope. Last, last week we began a new series uh, called Hope Filled because in the world that we live in, there are not a lot of people that are filled with hope. But we as Christians should always be filled with hope. And it should be so evident that it causes people around us to take notice. Um, today, people are taking notice of Christians not because of the hope that we have, but many times because of the stance or the position or the beliefs we have on all sorts of things that are going on in the culture around us, but not so much about our faith in Christ. And in these days, we need to be the ambassadors that God called us to be to represent him, not other things in the world that we live in. And uh, when we talk about this hope, that God is a God of hope, that hope is not a questionable outcome. When, when we hear people speak about hope, uh, 
that don't know God or, or aren't believing the hope that the Bible talks about, it's a questionable outcome or, or experience. But with God, the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, now may the God of hope, this is where hope the biblical hope comes from. He is the only exclusive source, but this hope is a confident expectation of good. Uh, it's, it's about a confident trust in someone that produces a security and a stability. We should have a confident expectation in God. And if we don't, the reason is because we don't really know who God is. When you trust somebody, why do you trust them? Because you know, yeah, you know them. You're, you, you've become confident of who they are and what they're going to do, and you don't expect them to do anything but what they do. But how many of you know people do things that they shouldn't do? <laughs> yeah, we, we all do. But you know what? God will never do anything but what he said he'd do. The Bible says God is not a man that he would lie. God is true to his word. He is true in character. He is faithful and true. He is unchanging. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wouldn't it be difficult for us to have confidence in this world if Jesus was changing dependent on what was going on or how we acted? He doesn't change. He never changes. That is the only stable thing in the universe that we live in. Everything else is subject to change. And the reason why is, is because he's perfect. Perfection doesn't have to change. Anything that's not perfect, it is necessary for change for it to become better. And that's why in our relationship with God, we don't look to change God because we would not want God to change because he's perfect. But we look to embrace change and adjust to become more like God and more of what God has for us to be so that we can experience and walk in more of the fullness of what God has planned and provided. Amen? It's so important for that. But in this, this foundational scripture that we looked at last week, it says, May the God of hope, so he is the source of it, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, right here, we see that he will fill us. And that, that word fill is a very interesting word because we think it's where you pour something into something else. And that's not what this word actually means. In the original translation, it means to furnish or supply. So, in essence, there's a supply or a furnishing of joy and peace. How many of you could stand a little more joy and peace? I think all of us could. And we found out last week that this word joy, uh, Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need strength in these times. Uh, it's, it's absolutely necessary that we are strengthened in the times that we live in to be able to endure, to go through, to experience and see what God has planned and prepared because what God has planned and prepared is good. Uh, and, and Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that the plans God has for, for us are for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope, a confident expectation of good. So we, we, we have this joy that strengthens us, but we also found out last week that this word joy, the root word of this word is grace, because joy comes by the grace of God. 
And the grace of God is the empowering presence of God to cause us to be who he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do. We were saved by grace, and the Bible says it was a gift. And, and like with any gift, what, what has to happen? If somebody is giving you a gift, what, do you have to, what has to happen in your life? Accept it, but there's something before that. If you don't know somebody's giving you a gift, what do you have to do? You have to recognize somebody's giving you a gift. You have to become aware of it. And so we have to recognize that something is being given to us and then receive it. So it's a, it's a two-part in this for us to experience the fullness of what this gift is. Uh, God has made salvation available for everyone. Is that correct? Didn't Jesus die on the cross to pay the price for everyone's sin? But is everyone going to be saved? No. Why? Because they don't recognize what Jesus did and they don't receive what he has done. And so in this, we have to, we have to recognize that God is the God of all hope and that he is supplying, he is making available to us all joy and all peace. So God's reaching out to us as the God of all hope, the God who causes us to have confident expectation of good, he's reaching out to us with joy and peace, but we've got to recognize that he's reaching out to us and offering us joy and peace. Remember, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So he's giving us his peace, but we've got to recognize he is and receive it. And then... We have to believe it. And this is our part. Everything that we do in the kingdom of God as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ is about partnership. God has his part. We have our part. God's part is I have this supply that is unending, unequaled of joy and peace that will help cause you to have some hope in the midst of what you're dealing with. But you have to recognize it. You have to receive it and believe it. And as you believe it, then it starts to have an effect on us in our lives and then can have an effect through our lives. And then it says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now notice that God is on the front end. He's the God of all hope that will supply or provide all joy and all peace as we believe that we would abound to even more hope, more confident expectations by the power of Holy Spirit. So it's God on this end and Holy Spirit on this end. And we've got a little part in the middle, but we, God won't do our part. We have to do our part. We have to choose to believe. And today we're going to look at this and we're going to see how this happens and, and how important faith is in us having hope. And, and really do we have faith or are we just kind of playing along. Because I, I can tell you that there are times where I thought I was in faith and it wasn't faith. I was just having the world's kind of hope, a questionable expectation instead of a confident expectation. And, and we found out that this hope, this, this hope that God puts in us, helps us with and is working in us, the God of all hope, that it would truly be something that 
has a tangible, a recognizable effect on our lives by others. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Uh, set him apart as Lord. Let him be first and foremost. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. All right, so this is indicating that there are going to be times in your life that people are going to come up to you and ask you about something. They're, gonna, they're going to approach you. You know, oftentimes we think as Christians we need to be approaching everybody. But when they see something different in your life and it's something they need, they're going to be coming to you. We saw that in Jesus' life. There were people that were approaching Jesus because they saw something in his life that they needed. They didn't understand, but they surely wanted. And so it says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for. All right, this is what they're going to ask you about. Not how much scripture you know. Not how many times you go to church. Not how big your Bible is. This is what they're going to ask you about. For the hope that you have, the confident expectation of good. Now, if we say confident expectation of good, can we say confident expectation of God? Because God's good, right? So we could say that your confident expectation of God, that in your life and in my life, as we're going through life in all the ups and downs and all the things that are uncertain out there, People are going to look at you and they're going to see you have a confident expectation of God, of good, experiencing the same thing they are, and they're going to take notice and eventually it's, God's going to work on them so much that they're eventually going to have to come up to you and say, what is going on? How come you've had this and this and this happen and yet you still have a confident expectation of good? Are you crazy? What are you on? What are you drinking? What are you smoking? What are you doing? Because that's how they deal with it, isn't it? Come on. We don't have to. Because we have such a peace and a joy, a strength and a settling. We're not rocked by this world. The world that's trying to rock us was made by our rock. We don't have to be rocked by anything in this world. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, that's what the Bible says. You, you, you've got to receive it and believe it for it to become real in your life. You can quote it, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to have an effect on you. That's why this, this belief aspect of it is so important that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you would abound to even more hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that hope is going to be something that people are going to ask you about. What's going on? How come? Why? Why are you different? What, 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 what's your secret? But we have to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have, but do it with gentleness and respect because this hope has an effect on us. This confident expectation of God, confident expectation of good causes our lives in this very tumultuous, very unstable, very quick-changing, very erratic environment of the world that we live in. You are going to be unlike other people. And the reason why is 
And we found this out last week also in Hebrews 6, 19. It says this about the hope, this hope that we have. By the way, what do you, what do you have hope about? What are you confident about today? What are you locked down, locked in, just rock solid, sure that you're going to have? See, now I'm going to tell you, there is no end to the answers, but they have to be from one source. All right, and we're going to see that today. But this hope that we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. That word sure last week we found out was uh, a word that means reliable, unchanging, and faithful. Steadfast is immovable, steady, and stable. And what is the only unchanging thing in our world? God. God. This is talking about God. God is, is the anchor to our soul. Our confident expectation of God, our confident expectation of good is an anchor. And, and in the world that we live in, there is a lot of currents going on. You know what I, I mean by currents? There is this one that believes this and wants to pull people this way. And this one believes this and wants to pull people this way. And, and there's currents of fear and, and currents of, of rebellion and currents of all sorts of things. And anchors are designed to hold you stable in the midst of the most difficult and powerful currents, that you aren't swept along with it. But so many people today, Christians, are being swept along in the currents of the world. Now understand this, that many times these currents are taking you, and all the currents of the world will take us towards a place of destruction, a place of loss and damage. And so we need to have an anchor hold us firm and secure, immovable from being moved along by these currents in the world that are going to rob us of the things that God has. The other thing that, that uh, these anchors do, uh, you put down an anchor when you're in a storm. And you don't want to be just dashed upon the, the rocks or the reef or, or dry ground you got to be held firm, not being moved by the wind and the waves. And there is a lot of wind going on, a lot of waves going on. And we're, we're going to look at this a little later in, in the service. But what causes this hope to be so secure? Such an anchor causes us to be absolutely immovable, steady, stable, secure, well, we've already said God, and, and I will tell you that that's the right answer, but it's not enough of an answer. And the reason why I say that is I, I have, and I don't mean to, but I have caused people to be upset with me because they think that I am demanding or I'm just digging deeper than I should. But when people come up and say, you know, I, I, I really want you to pray with me and believe with me, and, and they'll tell me what they are in general believing for or specifically what they're believing for. And uh, I'll say, okay, what's the scripture that you're, you're basing this belief on? Well, what do you mean? I told you what I'm believing for. I know. But I want to know not what you're believing for. I want to know what God's word says that you're, you're standing on. Well, I don't. I said, please don't get upset with me. I'm doing this because 
I have to have a focus for my faith. I have to be able to come into agreement on something. And as much as I want to agree with what you want, you may change what you want any time. But I know God will never change. So I want you to tell me so we can agree on what is unchanging. Well, I shouldn't have come to you to pray anyways. I have to tell you, what I'm trying to do is not hurt somebody or, or cause them to be embarrassed. I'm causing them to operate in real biblical faith. Because if you and I don't operate in biblical faith, it's not faith at all. God can't honor. God loves us. Don't get that wrong. God loves all of us. God, God it, it, it hurts God's heart when we're hurt. But I want you to know that the only thing God moves on is faith. It's what brings what God has out here into our lives. It opens up a way for God to really work in our lives like never before. Because when we go to God with his word, the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't watch over our tears and our cries. Do they affect him? Yes, they lo he loves us. It affects him, but he is moved by faith. And so that's why it's so important if, if we're going to be believing something, if we're going to have an anchor that's secure, that's going to hold us in the storms and in, in the violent currents of the world that we live in, we have to be in biblical faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things what? Hope for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, I've read that a lot of times, and, and I've really begun to just study this out and, and try and really nail it down. But that word substance, you know, in all the years that I've studied this, I've never looked up what the word substance means because I knew what it meant, I thought. You know, if it's the substance, it's what makes it up. But... This word substance is the word foundation, support, or what something rests on. If you have a building and you don't have a firm foundation, how stable is that building? Isn't that what happened with the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Yeah. Built it, looked beautiful, but as time went on, they found out it started to lean more and more and more. And as they continued to build, some of the levels they built in adjustment to that to try and take the lean out, but it kept leaning. And they tried to pump cement underneath it to keep it from going any further. But it was all because they didn't do the first things first. If you and I don't take care of the foundation, it doesn't matter how beautiful or how big we build, it is not stable. And it's coming down. It's only a matter of time. It's just a matter of a storm or a current. And I'm telling you, that's what we're seeing in our society today. We're seeing, seeing all sorts of things coming down because they weren't built on a firm foundation. And so this, this faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the support. It's the foundation of things hoped for. It's what our confident expectation is built upon is faith. But where does faith come from? Biblical faith, where does it come from? That's right, I heard it. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes. So it's something that begins to rise up in us as we do what? Hear and hear, right? What happens when you hear the same song over and over and over again? I'm thinking about Baby Shark. Oh, my God. I can't, I cannot tell you how many nights I went to bed hearing that in my brain and waking up to that only to find our granddaughter, Elan, sitting on me. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Baby Shark, I'm never going to get this out of my brain. And I still, you know, it's amazing because it just pops in there sometimes. But I had heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And, and, that, and I kept hearing it. And I didn't want to hear it. And now it's in me. All I have to do is hear the first couple of notes of that song. Baby shark. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Grandpa shark. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, my gosh. So, just like that. Just think if you heard the word of God over and over and over and over, what would that do? Yes. Yes. All you'd have to hear is the first, first couple of words. <laughs> John, we need to work on sound effects. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And when you don't want to hear it, you hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. Because there's nothing. There's nothing in your life. There's nothing in my life. There's nothing in all the earth that will do for us what hearing God's word. And it's just not hearing. It's meditating on it. It's memorizing it. It's, it's coming to that place where we've heard it. But now something's happened. It's traveled from just information. To expectation. When it moves from just information that you've read to an expectation that you have, that now you have this confident expectation, that's what God said. I know. I know he's going to have his way. He's not a man that he would lie. And all of a sudden, you're convinced. Nobody can talk you out of this. Nobody can convince you of anything other than what you believe because what you believe is not just what you want. It's what God, who never lies, who watches over his word to perform it, has said and he will do. Oh, man, you guys ought to be more excited than that. <laughs> because this is, this is the key. How many of you know what you're going to face this week? Don't any one of you put your hands up. Not you at home either. Because we don't know. But guess who does? God does. He's already gone ahead of you, the Bible says, and prepared the way. But if you and I aren't following God, we're going to go our own way. And our way may be wrong. Right? But God's way is always best. And he'll guide you in it if you're willing to follow. But he's going to guide us by his spirit and his word. And so this, this faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by the word of God, by the word of God. 
And the enemy knows that, and he knows every time you get into the Word, every time you begin to, to listen to a message or watch a DVD or read Scripture, that, that he can be overthrown if that gets into you. He doesn't care if it gets up here, but he cares if it moves from here to here. He doesn't want to hear first, but he'll let you get information. But what he doesn't want is transformation, where that information moves about six inches and goes from just knowledge to a confident expectation. When it gets down in here, he's done. He is done. And that's why we, we need to be people that are always, just like it was told to Joshua, meditate on God's word day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. That's the only way it happens. God. God is the one that causes that to happen. But it's a partnership. He can't do it in somebody who's not willing to do their part and believe. Recognize what he said. Receive it as theirs and believe that they can have what God has said. Because they trust God. Because they know God. They've come to know God that he is faithful, that he doesn't fail, that he doesn't lie. And so as this happens, there's a real impact in our lives. And uh, when we believe God's word and have a confident expectation of hope of it coming to pass there's a transformational work that occurs in our lives and people begin to see this hope. They begin to see this confidence. They begin to see this security, this stability that they see in nothing else in the world that they live in. Oh yeah, for a little while, something's stable, something's secure, but then it gets upended. Whether it's a person, a political party, a, a business, finances, all of them are unstable. But God is the ultimate stable factor that will never let us down. And so how, how this works out in our lives, we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 2 through 4. And it says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace, just like the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace, and that, that word joy, the, the root word is grace, because Joy doesn't come any other way except by the grace of God. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through. Now it says through, so what does that in indicate? There's a connection there, correct? And, and this is how it happens through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The more you get to know who God is, the more in grace and peace the more confident hope, the more security, the more stability you're going to have because you're going to know who he is, you're going to know what he's promised, and you're going to know there's nothing you can face that is ever going to be able to overthrow God. If you actually, and I actually believe, knew and believed that God is going to walk us through everything we encounter and bring us into what he's prepared, which is good, would we ever fear anything we face? No. The word of God says that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, 
who is trusting in God, has a confident expectation in God because you know who he is and what he's promised, are overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things through Christ. When you know it's through him, you have a confidence. You can overcome because you're not doing it on your own. Whenever you face something, I face something, we don't face it in isolation. Where is God? Okay, that, that valid. That's true. There are a variety of answers. God's everywhere. God the Father is everywhere. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And God sent, God and Jesus sent the Spirit of God to, to reside where? In us. God made it so that there is no one and nothing closer and more available to us than him in every situation. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you knew that Holy Spirit is greater than anything, anyone you can encounter in the world, and he's for you, then you would never fear what you encounter. But we don't believe that. We know it. We can quote it. But it's got to get down to believing it. And when we do believe it, that's when the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. We're not going to be rocked. We're not going to be overthrown. We are not going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be in a world of overwhelming situations, of currents and storms that overthrow people daily. But it's not going to happen to us. Because we have a confident expectation of God in the God of hope. Because we have faith. Our, our hope is founded on faith, and faith is founded in the word of God. And the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. The things that we rely on that we think are stable are more unstable than the word of God, even though they look more stable. But right here, it says this happens through the knowledge of God. Again, we've got to know him. Verse 3, his divine power has given who? Us. I want you to say this. His divine power has given me. Because, you know, for us to say us, we, we look around and we say, oh, sure, of course. You know, yeah, they deserve it. But then the enemy comes and says, but you don't deserve it. And that's why we have to make what God has said personal. His divine power has given me. And sometimes I say that to myself, and I, I say this in the mirror to myself, things like this, what the Word of God says to help me be able to build it into me. This is, this is what God said for me. Now I've got to believe it. And it says that his divine power has given us everything. What does that leave out? Are you sure? You know what that word everything means in the Greek? It means everything. <laughs> Just making sure you're here. Everything. Everything. Everything we need for a godly life. 
Again, through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for a godly life. If we're walking and it's a godly life, I'm telling you, you're going to overcome. You're going to go through things. Who lived the most godly life? I know you're like, I don't know what I want to answer. I don't want to be wrong. I think it's Jesus. But I don't want people to think I'm not spiritual. Yeah, it's Jesus. He lived the most godly life. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? And so a godly life means you're not going to experience any difficulties. What? Are you arguing with me this morning? Good. Because sometimes we associate godliness with ease of life. Well, if I'm godly, nothing, nothing difficult is going to happen. Look at Jesus' life. The most godly person that walked the face of the earth after Adam and Eve had incredible opposition. And that's where sometimes we've got to rearrange how we view things. God's going to work everything for good. So that means it's going to be easy, it's going to be quick, and it's going to be comfortable. Oh, that's what we associate good with. But understand, this is a trick question. Think about the cross. And think about your answer. Was the cross good or bad? Now, see, I'm hearing it all. Some are saying good, some are saying bad. Guess what? You're both right. You're both right. Was it good? Yeah, look what it accomplished. Was it bad? Yeah, look what happened to Jesus. But Jesus looked beyond the cross for the joy that was set before him. He looked through what he was experiencing for what God was accomplishing. We've got to put what God is accomplishing ahead of what we're experiencing. Because if we're going to live this Christian life, which is a life of love, love, the agape love of God, which is transformational, it changes people's lives, is sacrificial. Whoever loved you in a way that helped you come to the kingdom, they made a sacrifice for that. And we're going to need to make sacrifices. And we're, need, we're going to need to not hold our lives dear. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And most people end right there. But it says, and they loved their lives not even unto death. You know that scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 where uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is the beginning of the faith chapter or the hall of fame of faith. If you want to see what people of faith are like, you're going to see people going through things, but they overcome. And what they went through impacted other people to help them be drawn to God. There are going to think, be things you're going to go through if you're willing with your confident focus of good, confident expectation of good on God, that God's going to bring you through, the people are going to watch and they're going to see God in the midst of it and be drawn to God. This is the time, church, that we need to be able to put ourselves aside. Even as followers of Christ, Jesus said, if you're going to be my follower, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow me. And you may say, well, this... 
I, I, I like the first part of the service, but this is, getting, this is getting to be a downer. No, it's not. It's just helping you understand what you're going to face and realize when you face it, you don't have to worry about it. God's going to bring you through it. You can't avoid it. You're living in a fallen world. There was a man who used to come here. His name is Albert Willis. He's now with the Lord. And Albert used to tell us that if you don't want to experience what's going on in your world, put your hand over your heart and ask God to stop it. <laughs> That's the only way you're not going to experience what's going on in this world. You're in this world, but you're going to overcome in this world because of Christ that you're trusting, that you have a confident expectation of. Unwavering trust in who he is and what he said which will give you the joy, the strength, the grace to continue on to persevere and the peace to stay stable in the midst of it. God is so good. So it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now look at this, verse 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. You be, become partakers of the divine nature. This is how we become more like Jesus. You know, so many times we as human beings, we project human attributes and aspects on God. And, and we question, you know, is, is God really faithful? I've never known anybody faithful, so maybe God's not. No, 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 no. You and I can't put on God what's part of us. Who was made in whose image? But many times we as human beings make God into our image, and we look at God, and he's not big enough, and he's not strong enough, and he's not faithful enough, and he's not loving enough. But he is. But we just see him in a light because we put that on him and we see our circumstances much bigger than our God. And in fact, our God is much bigger than anything we'll ever face. With God, what's possible? Right answer. But if you and I believe it, then we don't worry about anything we face. That's where we've got to recognize, are we really believing? But this says we become partakers these great and precious promises that is in the word of God. You know, faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word causes us to be partakers of the divine nature. As we build that into us, it becomes a part of us. Our lives adjust and realign to be like what we have put into us. Whether good or bad, it's true. And that's why we've got to be very, very careful very careful of what we're allowing in us. The amount of time that people spend in the Bible and the Word of God is fractional compared to the amount of time we take in information from the world we live in, whether it's by TV or printed material or by Internet. And it's undoing us. It's undermining our confidence in God, our confident expectation. We have to have anchors in these, these times. And we're going to, in the next few weeks, begin to look at uh, the Apostle Paul's life, the end of his life. 
Was the Apostle Paul a man of faith? Absolutely amazing. He had confident expectation of God through all sorts of things that we would have said, I'm done. He, he calls shipwrecks and beatings and stonings. You know what he calls them? Light afflictions. I would call, call it an end. But he calls it a light affliction because he looks through those at the God who's called him and who is with him and who is for him and who is fulfilling his will in him and says, you know what? God's not done. And at the end of his life, um, we're going to start looking. Actually, we're going to go to uh, a portion of this in Acts chapter 27. Uh, Paul was headed towards Rome to appear and appeal before Caesar. And God had, had, had told him what was ahead and that he was going to be there and, and that was going to happen. But uh, back in those days, it wasn't like you got on a bus or a train or a plane. Uh, you got on a ship. If you were going somewhere like that, you got on a ship. And so Paul got on the ship. And we're just going to look at three verses from this. But next week, we're going to start into this and we're going to see something. Uh, that is really telling and really important for our lives. It says in verse 14, but be, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster, nor'easter swept down from the island and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Now, he was traveling by, by ship and I don't know why they didn't consult AccuWeather or something like that to find out what was going on in the Gulf before they got out there, right? Do you see how we've got so much information? These guys got up, and they didn't know except looking at the sky and saying, yeah, I think this is going to be okay. Let's go. And uh, they, they got out of the harbor, and they got hit by this hurricane-force wind. Now, you and I, we don't have to wonder what that's like. We see pictures on our TV all the time of what hurricanes do. They are absolutely destructive. They destroy things that look like they're stable. And they just rip them apart. This, this wind that came grabbed a hold of the boat and began to, to drive it. It says that the ship was caught by the storm and couldn't head into the wind. The reason why they wanted to head into the wind is whenever you're in a storm or in a wind, you've got to head into the wind because that's where the waves are coming from. If you don't cut through the waves on purpose with force, they're going to throw you over or overthrow you. You get sideways in them. Even if you get your back to them, they're going to drive you down into the wave ahead and put you under. And so they were trying to get where they knew they needed to be, but couldn't. And so what did they do? They did what everybody does. Give up. Give over. Give in. They gave in to the wind. And the wind did what it does. Whether it's a natural wind or the stuff that's going on in our world, it drives us along drives us along. We're driven by this stuff. And one of the things about being driven, you're not in control. You're being controlled. You're being forced. And that's what the things in the world want to do. It wants to control you and force you and rob you as a Christian of everything God has for you. 
And if we are robbed of what God has for us, the people God has for us to impact are also robbed. But dropping down in verse 29, it says, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. They knew that eventually what was driving them was going to drive them to destruction, to loss. And that's what happens when we're driven. That's why God doesn't drive people. The enemy drives people. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. And, and being led indicates there's a choice. We don't have to, but we should. And too many Christians today are not being led by the Spirit of God. We're being driven by the things of the world. Because we don't have a confident expectation in God. We don't have something secure, an anchor. That's what they dropped. They dropped four anchors. That's an indication of how forceful this storm was, how forceful the currents were. I want you to know that there are forces in our world that are just determined to destroy your life, to destroy your witness, to destroy your inheritance. And we need to be dropping anchors. And, and this says four, and I want you to know, because the word of God is inexhaustible, there is not a limit to the anchors because the anchors come from our faith, which comes from the word of God. The more anchors you can put out, the more stable you're going to be. But we're going to see these four anchors that, that give an indication of four things in our lives that will anchor us. And it's a beginning point. It's not an end. Don't say, well, I, I've got my four anchors. Yeah, four anchors are no good in a six-anchor storm. And it's not time to try and get another anchor when you need it. you got to have it before you need it. And so we need to load up our lives with the anchors of confident expectation of hope that's founded by, in, on faith that is from the Word of God. I shared with you a while back, God had had me praying that we would hunger and thirst for God and His Word like never before. I didn't know I was going to be teaching this, but God did. And God was directing me to pray for me and pray for us, that we would have this new longing and desire for God and His Word like never before. And I still pray that. And I'm believing that we are all going, as much as we have appetites and, and desires for a lot of things that we have, that they would begin to pale in comparison for our desire for God and His Word. Because in these days, the storms are only going to increase. And the anchors we need to have are only going to need to increase. Amen? Just like you to bow your heads. And I just want to let you know that, that all of this is available to everyone, but it starts with our recognizing who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, I know he's the Son of God. He died on the cross. Yeah, but what is he to you? Who is he to you? Well, he's Lord. Is he really? Have you received? him as your Lord and the forgiveness for your sins and turn to entrust him with your life? 
If you haven't, then it's just like that information. It doesn't make any difference in our lives. We just carry it around, and we think something's happened, but until we mix faith with it, it has no real impact. And today, I'm going to invite you to mix faith with what you may know or what you've just come to know, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willingly left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, for all of our sin. But it requires us repenting, turning around, and turning to Christ, recognizing who he is, what he's done, and receiving him and his forgiveness into our life, and him as Lord of our life. And what I would like to do is invite you to pray this prayer. If you don't mix faith with it, it's just a bunch of words. And the way you can know that you've mixed faith with it is it continues to have an impact on your life. You begin to move towards God like never before and, and allow yourselves to know him, to be able to trust him, to come to place of confidence in him. So I would invite you to pray this with as much faith as you, you have at this moment, that you believe that he is the son of God, that he did die for your sin, that he gives forgiveness and he wants to be and will be your Lord if you ask him. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, your son, who came into this world lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn to you. I trust in you to be Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you as Lord to guide me, govern me, guard me, from this day forward, I am yours, you are mine. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.